Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshark. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Homeschool Your Way. We are your hosts, Jimena and Didi. Also known as the Chips and Salsa Ladies from Chips and Salsa Homeschooling. Well, we are doing a series about different homeschool styles or approaches, and today we'll be talking about unschooling, and we have a special guest with us today that will be sharing her expertise in this area. Before we get to that, we're going to have our hack of the week. Jimena, share what we have this week. Okay, so Patricia, who's part of our Chips and Salsa Facebook community, says, block out enough time where nothing gets done. Allowing life to happen like doctor's appointments or teaching a new concept. So I think what she means is, you know, you have to block out enough time to allow for these appointments and, you know, teaching new concepts. Because a lot of times we cram everything in and then we are super frustrated when things don't go our way or when something else comes up. It reminds me of that time we planned that workshop, the music workshop for the choir and we had zero bathroom breaks and I'm like ladies we have to give the, everybody chance to go to the restroom in between these sections <laughs> well I remember listening to another podcast that gave this practical tip of like timesing everything by three like multiplying a block by three so if you were planning on 15 minutes of reading to plan for 45 minutes of reading because that way you know you're allowing for discussion, but not only that, somebody spills water, somebody has an accident, somebody starts fighting, somebody wants to talk to you or the phone rings and, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, that's about right. My husband's always so good about um, figuring out how much time things are going to take. So whenever I say how much time something's going to take, he multiplies it by three. See, it's in him. We need to do that better. We really do. <laughs> well, if you have a hack that you want to share with us, please go to bookshark.com slash podcast and leave it in the comments. We'd love to feature it on one of these episodes. Well, today we're so excited to have Julie Polanco with us. She is going to tell us about unschooling, the mysterious and wonderful homeschool style that we have always been curious about. Julie Polanco is a master herbalist, certified NAHA level one aromatherapist, 19 year veteran homeschool mom of four, and the author of six books, including 100 Ways to Motivate Kids. Her two oldest have successfully moved on to other things, but Julie continues to homeschool her two youngest. Julie advocates a natural learning or unschooling approach even for adults. Catch up with her at julienaturally.com on her podcast or on social media platforms at Julie Naturally. Well, welcome, Julie. We're so excited to have you on the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, well, so happy to have you. 
To me, unschooling is sounds intimidating because I always feel like, how do you keep track? Like, how do you know the kids are learning anything? So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. But can you just tell us about your homeschool journey to start us off? Sure. So I have four children. Um, They're now 22, 20, 16, and 14. Uh, And I have a Yeah. (laughs) They're all big now. (laughs) It's been an amazing journey. I've been doing this since the very beginning. So I just finished my 19th year of homeschooling. So, um, wow. Yes, it's been quite a ride uh, going, you know, from small children to now the last two are in high high school. So, yeah. (laughs) That is so awesome. So my oldest two are 15 and 14. (laughs) And then I have a 13 and 12. So, um, yeah, exciting times with these teenagers. (laughs) Yes, we're in this last phase that is so new and it's exciting and it's sad all at the same time and so many emotions that come with it. Yes, yes. And my son, my second one, my son just moved out. So it's really bittersweet. Um, I'm sad to see him go, but they have to grow up. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine. I know. That's a whole nother thing, Jimena. We're going to do a podcast about life after homeschooling. I guess so. It'll be like a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) So, Julie, tell us a little bit about your homeschool journey. How did you start? Why did you start? We want to hear it. Sure. So, initially, um, in college, I had worked with preschools. So, when I had kids, I had decided that... I was not going to do the preschool thing. So I already was staying home with the oldest two. And then um, when it came time for school, I I had a bad experience at public school. And my husband had had a bad experience at private school growing up. So we were looking for alternatives. And we visited some schools and weren't really very satisfied with that. And we also... um, I was reading a magazine, Mothering Magazine at the time. I think it's only online now. It's no longer a print magazine, but uh, I I really loved what they had to say. And they talked about homeschooling in one of their articles. Like, I've never heard of this. This is a new thing. And so we started to investigate and there were not very many websites about it at the time. There was A to Z Homeschool, I think, was one of the only sites there were. And it was still kind of a newer site at that time. And one thing happened that really uh, was kind of weird, but we we went camping. And there were only, it was only us and one other family there. And they had a family of eight kids and they just happened to be homeschoolers. Oh, I mean, what are the odds, right? <laughs> and they, and this entire campground that was empty, they put them next to us. It, like, why didn't you put them anywhere else? So they had to put <laughs> us right next to each other, this family of eight. And we were so impressed with the, this family and the way their children behaved and the closeness of everybody and we just felt like we want that. We want that for ourselves. And we want our children to be close 
And we didn't know we were going to have four at that time. We had just the two. And the my my oldest is a girl. So that my son, he was only about 18 months old at that time. And they just thought that was the most hilarious thing. I was trying to manage this 18 months old with their whole brood of eight kids. <laughs> 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 um, but... Uh, that was the beginning that was that sealed the deal for us because we've been hemming and hawing about about it after doing some research and said okay well we could do kindergarten I could teach kindergarten um it I had done some preschool work with kids and saw how you talk to them about letters and all that kind of stuff and I, well I I don't that I was not intimidated by teaching a child to read or do any of the little kids stuff. So, well, we'll start with that and see what happens. And then it just kept going from there. And we had, as you move along, sometimes more reasons come along of why they're home. So it started with, you know, we didn't want our kids to be bullied. My daughter was a very, act, very active little kid and very creative. And just, I, I thought, well, I, I can't see her sitting in a classroom and uh i my heart just broke at the thought of putting her in a kind of environment this little girl just loved the outdoors and loved running around and climbing and everything and and you know her brother was the same way and then we had the two more and um it started with a more curriculum based approach i designed my own unit studies i did buy some boxed curriculum and I really got burned out and it wasn't a good match for my very active kids, which I later found they all had some learning challenges. Every single one of them. Ah. <laughs> oh my gosh. They all had learning challenges. Um, what I guess you call the invisible disabilities. So we had some ADD, some dyslexia, some Asperger's, those, some giftedness. Um, all kind of mixed in there and doing the box type of approach, even me trying to put together unit studies and things wasn't really working real well. And it's exhausting to try to put together all your own resources all the time for all different age levels. And so that's how we sort of fell into unschooling. Um, I, uh, I, I really was looking for something else. And when it was a faith-based thing, but it was also just looking at, uh, well, how can we make this work? Cause I really don't want to send them to school, but that's how I felt in my heart was, right. I can't do, I can't keep doing this like this. There has to be another way. And, um, and I found another way. And I would say that as we've, went into a more unschooling approach, there are times when some people would say, well, that really doesn't look like unschooling to me. That looks like you're, you're doing uh, some of the directing part of it. And for myself, I feel it's, it's not important to be super stuck on one, on the definition or stuck on one way of doing things it's it's more uh the flexibility of that yeah so yeah, yeah that, that's 
that's kind of how things evolved over the past well, we want to ask you to, to explain what your definition of unschooling is or what the definition of unschooling is. But before that, I just want to make a comment real quick about how you experience those kids, you know, while you were camping. Because <laughs> that's a very common story that I've heard with a lot of people that homeschooled was we met these amazing homeschooled kids and we were like, we want our kids to be like that. And I just think that's such a great testament to homeschooling. Didi and I have numerous times on field trips have been stopped by adults that come and tell us how fabulous our kids are. And we're always like, really? That's awesome. I'm glad the world's <laughs> like that. You know, <laughs> I mean, not that we don't think they're fabulous, but you know, it's just, um, a lot of times we don't see, uh, the things that other people see, you know, from the outside, because we're with them all the time. So I just think that's great. I love that story. That's something I've heard now also remarking on my kids as well as, gosh, they're all so close. Like, you know, older two are like super tight. And sometimes people think they're boyfriend and girlfriend because they're so <laughs> close. Like, wait a minute your brother and sister, like, okay, you know, that's a little weird that you're so tight like that. And, um, that you, and, but to them, that's, that's how it really should be. And I, that's how I think it really should be is that siblings should be super close. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen as well as maybe we'd like, but, uh, they shouldn't be, oh, yucky cooties, my sibling, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> I love but, that. Uh, yeah. So, Julie, what is your definition of unschooling? And you said it's not a rigid thing, but give us the idea of what unschooling is and then maybe how you've been able to utilize unschooling in your family. Well, to me, unschooling means that it's the child, the child is taking the lead in terms of what they want to learn, when they want to learn it, and how they want to learn it. Um, So we're following their lead with that and helping to facilitate their learning by providing resources, doing some research, and being a coach, facilitator, mentor, helping them to be more organized and plan out their learning, asking good questions from them to help promote deeper learning, uh, taking them on trips uh, so that they can explore those interests more fully. How is that different from, say, delight-directed learning? Sometimes they're kind of similar, uh, but delight-directed see is more... The parents looking at what the child is interested in, and then they're creating interest. They're creating interesting unit studies and things like that around that. So it's it's more parent directed around the child's interests instead of say, okay, what would you like to learn about, and then bringing in games and and uh, books and things like that that would promote the child learning about that on their own. Some kids that works better with than others. And sometimes kids um, sometimes kids do prefer a more classroom-based approach. Uh, sometimes kids do like a more textbook approach, but that was under their own 
interest, their own choice instead of the parents' choice of putting that on them. So um, for me, there have been times when it's been more collaborative because I'm always looking at sort of the bigger picture of like, all right, um, how can I help this child to have uh, some education in something that they're not so interested in, but that I think is really necessary for them to become a successful adult, because ultimately that is the goal, is to be successful as an adult and to have those uh, the base knowledge and skills and character to be successful once they leave my house. Uh, It's not just, to me, it's not just about getting into a great college um, because there are many roads to college and many roads to learning a vocation. But uh, for me, it's more about that having that uh, exposure and base of skills, particularly um, reading and writing and arithmetic and that, but also other types of skills that most would call life skills. Um, so there have been some times when it's been more collaborative where I'll come to the child and say, you know, um, the state really says you need to be doing this for high school. You need some math for high school. Like what kid is jumping up and down to do algebra? Nobody's <laughs> no, but no kid I know is jumping up around up and down to do algebra. I say, well, you need to have that. And if you decide you want to go to college, you need to have that. So if that's your goal is college and you, I need to have this on your transcript, like how are we going to fulfill that credit? So it's still their input into the process and not uh-huh. just me saying, do this and I'm do it because I said so. It's getting that buy-in from them. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask about math and Okay, obviously, though, you can't, your first math class can't be algebra. So, and, but I I know elementary kids are interested in math. They want to count and they want to add. At what point, though, when they say, I don't like math, I don't want to do it. Are you, you know, stepping in or, you know, encouraging them or, or how do you handle it? Well, I, in the elementary years, we have done the uh, math facts, you know, with games and all that kind of stuff is sort of a fun thing. And plus, uh, I did something that they all, that the, the older, the, the younger ones who are now older <laughs> um, still ask for. And it was math, math question of the day. And it was around real life things. Like if you're going to be doing remodeling in the house or uh, planting gardens, things where you use math, going shopping, stuff like that. Um, but also, um, it uh, when it came time to they were like between about age 10 to 14, and that sounds really late probably, more like it's kind of like middle school. It yeah. was time to sit down. Yeah, it was time to sit down and say, okay, where are the gaps? Like, how much do you know? How much um, How much do we need to kind of hone up some things? And I would, would put it to them as, all right, 
we're going to do some of this stuff as like family math. And there is there are a couple of books that are actually called family math. And we would use yeah. some of those activities and things to do uh, pre-algebra activities and um, which are actually quite fun. The kids actually love doing pre-algebra activities. Mm-hmm. They see how it's, it's like a mystery to solve, which is really fun. Um, but we would also use some curriculum as needed to help hone up some things like long division, exponents. And they'd be like, well, why do I need to know this? You know, of course. And say, well, you need to be successful in high school. Mm-hmm. And in high school, I'm sorry, but this is what this is what you, <laughs> this you have says you have to do. Like, I, I don't have any say in that. So I want you to be successful and, you know, you are going to use these things uh, in science and you are going to use these things if you're going to grow food, if you're going to do some carpentry work in your house, you're going to use some of this stuff. So you need to have some exposure and and learn it. And sometimes uh, it may be through a online type programs, sometimes it may be textbooks, sometimes it may be more of a live class or cooperative. But I do talk to them around that time. And there's actually an interesting study done that is not publicized. And in fact, they probably don't want people to know about it. Uh, It was done in in the 20s and 30s. With and it was in the Northeast. I want to say it was Massachusetts or New Hampshire or something like that. Where a school superintendent, he took some kids from poor schools. He did an experiment with math, and he used kids from poor schools, and he he was comparing them to the kids who are in wealthier schools. But his experiment with the Children in poorer schools was that he didn't do any formal math with them, no textbooks or formal math type stuff with them until they were in sixth grade. Yeah. And that sounds like, well, weren't they, you know, wouldn't they fall behind and things like that? And actually what he found is that if if he just integrated the math into language arts, geography, all you know, places where you use it and used rich language to describe what was happening. Those children actually had better problem solving ability and learn the math faster and better than the wealthier kids who had done the normal program, yeah. um, which it's the Benezere study is what it's called. And uh, it, it just, it, it was done like a hundred years ago, wow. which sounds yeah. like, well, why, did, why, why is this not more practice and well known? But, um, but it has been shown over and over again that it's okay to integrate the math into other areas. And then when it comes to learning it, like they just go through it really quickly. I, I actually did that with my oldest son. He did not do anything till he, anything like that till he was 12. And he went through three textbooks in a year and then finished algebra in four months. Wow. Yeah. It, it, and when they're ready to. Yes. Yeah, I had seen in a video before, um, and it was, I think, it, I believe it was an unschooler. And she had said that you can teach elementary math in like a year. Yes. 
like yes. once they're old enough All to of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing because I see it even in my own kids. One of my kids, my daughter, she struggles um, with math. And I feel like there has never been a connection of what do I do with these skills, you know, like in real life. And it's still really hard for her. And that's why I keep telling Dee, Dee that I want to do like a real life, like math camp because I want, it's like, I feel like they've just been going through the motions, you know, to get on with math, but there's not really a connection of how do I use this? And so I think doing it the opposite way would have been a lot more helpful, you know? And I think, again, if we keep our goals, like you're saying, the goal is we want you to be functioning adults. We want you to be successful adults, right? It's not, we're just going to cross all the T's and, you know, check all the boxes and so it's really a, a paradigm shift. It's a complete shift in thinking. But I think that that's amazing. I'm really, that's awesome what you shared with us. Wow, this is so interesting, Julie. I can't wait to hear more about how we can implement some of these ideas to enrich our own homeschools. And we'll do that after the break. Hey, Mena, did you hear about the special offer from Bookshark? Yes, I'm so excited. It's happening all of May and June 2021. When you buy any all-subject package or a Reading with History package, you'll get two free add-ons. First, you'll get a free boot camp membership. This is a private group designed especially for parents new to homeschooling or new to Bookshark. Basically, it's an eight-week series of onboarding sessions that help you get started, but it's done in a community environment with other moms just like you. And you guys know how we feel about community. It's super important. And for your second freebie, while supplies last, you'll get their new memory book. 2020 and 2021 have been unusual years, to say the least. So there's never been a better time to create a record of your school year. This memory book from Bookshark gives you structure to make a sort of scrapbook or time capsule you'll cherish for years. Go to bookshark.com slash offer to get all the details and take advantage of this offer. It expires June 30th, 2021. And if you're listening to this podcast after June 30th, still check it out. There could be a new offer by then. That's bookshark.com slash offer. Welcome back. Today we are talking all about unschooling with Julie Polanco, and we're so happy to be learning from her because unschooling has been something that Dee and I have not really, you know, practiced too much in our homeschool, but we've always been so curious about it. And so we're going to get into all the details and the practicality of homeschooling right now. But first, we're going to do our weekly reflection, and Julie is actually going to share with us a weekly reflection. Uh, yes, something that's really inspired me is the quote, uh, education is not the filling of a bucket, but the lighting of a fire. Yes. That, um, because that is the goal, is to light a fire that keeps burning, um, not just to ch do check boxes and just sort of dump a bunch of information in, but to inspire and to encourage our kids to love learning. Well, and when you're a fire, you light other people on fire. But when you are, you know, just a bucket, you get stagnant and... <laughs> That's so true. And then you find, you know, a lot of frustrated 
young adults just graduated from college not knowing what to do with their lives because they never really pursued their passion you know mm -hmm. they just they just went ahead with the check boxes and what society told them to do and uh, I know that's so hard we could have another episode completely about that <laughs> <laughs> totally well, we would love to hear uh, what inspires you for our Reflection of the Week segment. Visit us at bookshark.com slash podcast to share with us or leave a review. All right. Well, let's get back into the topic. So, okay, Julie, we love this segment to be all about practical tips. So can you walk us through what a day in your life looks like with your family? Like what does unschooling look like in real life? Well, I'll go back a few years because right now it looks really different because <laughs> most of my kids are big and, yeah. you know, some are, uh, I'm not homeschooling them anymore. And high school looks very different anyway because, you know, I mean, they just wake up and sit there and do their work and, yeah. that, and it's not very exciting. Are they doing uh, a, a, a set curriculum for high school? Um, My... My daughter is doing a mix of in-person classes with a group of other homeschoolers and some stuff online and some textbook things. She gotcha. is, she's one that she chose that. That was what she chose. And, and she, yeah. you know, her older two siblings, uh, they were chose very different, um, paths for themselves. Um, but, uh, Generally speaking, and every day, of course, is not really the same, but generally speaking, uh, kids are allowed to wake up when they wake up. Uh, we don't have, we haven't had like a, everybody gets started at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. kind of thing. It's usually, you know, maybe 10 a.m. We have a casual breakfast together, and we would usually start with, um, some things that kind of get the blood going and get the thinking going. Cause I always felt like morning time was when you're freshest. So you should do things that are more challenging in the morning. So we would do some math games or, um, write, do some writing if they were working on something like that. But I would encourage them to do those kinds of activities in the morning. If they were going to be doing a lot of reading for their thing that they were interested in, that's what they would be doing. Reading, keeping some notes about it, because I did encourage them to, you know, write down some things that you've learned so that you don't forget. That's what adults do, too. They take notes. So it's very logical to learn how to take notes and um, and keep keep track of those things. But... Some days, and then in the afternoon, it was more open. You know, go out and play in the yard, go for bike rides, uh, play games, work on uh, building things. My sons really like to build, and provide. we provide a lot of scrap metal, scrap wood, and things like that for them to work on old electronics for them to work on. And, um, and they would work on projects in the afternoon before getting any kind of no TV time or anything like that until later in the afternoon and evening. And 
that I think is important. Uh, an important point with that is because many times um, there's sort of a mythology around unschooling that the kids just uh, play video games all day or something. <laughs> and, um, and I, I mean, it, you know, there is some educational value in Minecraft, I, you know, I would say, but not, not to the extent that I would allow a child to do that all day. And there's sort of the fine line between parenting and education and mm. um, trying to encourage educational pursuits that develop passions, skills, and interests. Uh, and because like too much fantasy novels, too many uh, video games, things like that is more entertainment in right. my opinion. And is not, uh, not educational per se, um, unless you're learning how to do coding and uh, video editing and things like that. I suppose you can incorporate those kinds of learning experiences, but, uh, but the typical day would be a mix of, of some, some things that were more collaborative and may be even be um, things that I wanted to work on with them that we had all talked about and uh, more practicing skills. And then there'd also be a segment of the day that was more open. I also, at lunchtime, I had a read aloud time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that I can make sure that they all got classic books in there. And then I also had to say, (laughs) too, in what what books they were reading. And so there, it wasn't completely just open and free that way. Um, I was going to ask about that, if you had like certain history books or science or anything Mm -hmm. that you wanted them to get through. Yes. Okay, that's cool. So there was, yeah. And some of that would be in the morning time too sometimes. You know, like I was saying before, that sometimes if I saw that they're spending too much time on one thing, we would talk about, say, okay, you know, I really – we need to do some of these other things too. Um, let me find some materials that you all would like and we can, we can do that together. And some kids, kids don't, can't always work on their own either. Some kids really need a lot of parental involvement and that would be all in the morning would be parent, more parent intensive types of work in the morning. Mm, Okay. So would you say there's any rules to unschooling? Well, yes, actually. One of them is the thing I mentioned about understanding the difference between entertainment and education. Mm. Uh, I mean, kids, of course, all of us like to have entertainment, but there's, if <laughs> they, we can't, we can't allow um, lots of entertainment to be considered education. So making mm-hmm. that distinction between education and entertainment. The other, another one is that what you do with your education is not the same as your parenting. Um, so there's often some uh, sort of mix up with that as well. It's 
at what you choose to learn about, giving kids freedom in what they choose to learn about doesn't have to translate into they get to decide everything under the sun for themselves. Mm -hmm. We still have to be parents and we're still responsible for teaching them character and morals and good life habits. And, and plus, we're supposed to be the ones with wisdom. So we need to uh, still exercise parental authority and parental mm -hmm. responsibility, even as we give them educational freedom. So that would be another rule, so to speak. That's really that. good. That's really good because yeah. when in our approach of homeschooling, we always say how parenting and homeschooling are one and the same, but that's because we're not giving them much choice on what they learn. <laughs> so it's more like, this is what we do. And we, you know, we put our parenting in with it as far as, um, like you said, the authority and no, we have to direct the family, you know? Um, so in that sense, um, that's why I see it alike. But yeah, I could totally see how when you're unschooling, you have to differentiate the two because you're giving them so much freedom on the education side. That's really, that's a really great tip. Um, are there any practical tips or hacks that, ha that have helped you in your unschooling journey? Yes. Um, you have to be willing to do some research and to uh, step in to inspire the kids. Uh, when, when I, I've seen some successful unschooling and then some not very successful unschooling. One of the things that helped helped me to really be able to embrace it and to um, help the children to progress and succeed is a willingness to have some passions myself that I was interested in bringing the kids along with me and that being sort of an inspiring person, but also um, introducing, be, being willing to take them places and bring in new things to stir some interest and inspiration because they're not going to find stuff on their own. And how, how, where, where are they going to get ideas from and how are they going to figure out what they're interested in if we don't expose them to things? Mm. So it's not entirely just... I'll just leave them over there to explore. We have to be really hands-on and interactive. So to, to do it well means that you have to be sparkly. It's a borrowed term, but it's, you have to be a little bit sparkly uh, to help them to be excited about learning new things and uh and bringing things in so if you're just gonna if you're not if you're not going to go to the library not going to go on field trips not, not willing to bring in some kits and uh some new t new tools and things like that and giving them the freedom to learn how to use real tools um even if they are a little bit dangerous you know i have to be age appropriate of course you know but um if you're not willing to do that because you don't like to get messy, maybe you don't have a lot of places to go or um, you, you want to have sort of a separation there, then it's not going to work as well. So uh, it, some of it is dependent a little bit on that. And if you got a lot of boys, 
you, you're going to have to get messy and you have to be okay with a certain amount of danger. Yeah. yeah I, know. <laughs> I hear that. Like, you know, I, I'm always, I'm always struggling with that. Cause I have, I have one boy and I'm mm. always like, Oh my gosh, don't do that. Oh my gosh. You know? And I'm like, Oh, I gotta let him live. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really tough because boys, they don't understand. They, they have that testosterone, like go for everything, caution to the wind, you know? So yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I loved what you said, uh, Julie, about, you know, the, the, the sparkly being sparkly. And that's what CDD, we do, we do get sparkly. We, we have some unschooling tactics that we use. You're right. I mean, Julie, you have really, yes, you have really um, convinced me that unschooling is not just throwing caution to the wind, but I can see that we have had some unschooly moments in our homeschool, and those are definitely been the funner moments. (laughs) Well, Julie, what advice would you give your former self as you were trying to learn your style of how to homeschool your way? And now with all your wisdom, looking back, what would you tell her? Trust yourself. Mm. (laughs) Trust yourself. Because there were, I really doubted myself a lot. It's really hard to, uh, it's really hard to embrace a, a, a different, unusual, maybe even unpopular way of doing things, knowing that it's, probably right for your family but it now but nobody else is doing it and um and we as homeschool moms are so hard on ourselves as it is you know always comparing ourselves to each other and uh public school kids and just always doubting ourselves and i i i would tell myself to trust yourself because you are the mom Nobody That's knows your kids better than you. Yes. We say yes. that all the time. I mean, that is it right there, right? Homeschooling with confidence and really trusting the process of it because none of us know how it's going to turn out. But even in parenting, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We just go along with our gut, our instincts. And I think it's really important to, like you said, trust that and just go along with it day by day because in the end, love is always going to win. Right. And we love our children the most. (laughs) So it's not going to fail. So Julie, if someone is interested in unschooling, they want to learn more, what are some books or resources that you um, would suggest to them? Well, I wrote a book. You can check out my book. (laughs) Hey, um, it is a faith-based book. Uh, I, my book is God Schooling, How God Intended Children to Learn, and that gives more about my journey and my own tips. So that is a book, is a good book. Um, there is the Unschooling Handbook. Uh, it's the whole, and the subtitle is The Whole World is Your Classroom. That's a great book, and that's a neutral book. Uh, there are, um, there, one of my, Favorites with a little caveat is uh, the Teenage Liberation Handbook. And I'd say a caveat because there are some things in there I personally don't 
recommend or uh, don't support, but it it's nonetheless it has a lot of fabulous ideas for unschooling teens, and it's written to teens directly. So oh, nice. it's, it's it's a very well written book um, and has a lot of good things in there. So there's those are a few resources that way of um, that have great ideas for getting started and for getting resources and how do you teach different subjects and all of that. So those are, those are books I've read, as I mentioned, that, uh, that really were helpful to me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Julie, thank you so much for being with us. It was so eye-opening and so refreshing to hear just the different types of even unschooling that there are. And I think that is so great because, again, this podcast is all about homeschooling your way, which is really what our goal is to empower parents out there that are listening to feel confident in homeschooling what is right for their family. I've been so inspired by our conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Well, we hope that you are encouraged by this episode. And now that you know more about unschooling, you can decide whether it's the right fit for you so that you can homeschool your way. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.